This is the J. Scott Outdoors podcast on Western big game hunting and fishing brought to you by GoHunt.com Insider. Research faster, hunt more. Go to GoHunt.com forward slash insider and use the J. Scott promo code when signing up to receive a $50 Kuyu gift card. I'm your host, J. Scott. And I live and breathe hunting and fishing, spending half the year in the field experiencing God's creation. I hope you'll enjoy hearing about our adventures. Welcome to the J. Scott Outdoors podcast. Today we've got a good friend of the podcast, Adam Bronson of Epic Outdoors and Bronson Outfitting out of Utah. How you doing, buddy? Doing really well. How about you, Jay? Good. Uh, it's always great to have you on the podcast, Adam. I get a lot of uh, feedback when you're on, and so I wanted to talk today about uh, Arizona. Uh, but before we get to Arizona, deer and sheep, want to ask you about uh, how scouting going. What do you have uh, going on this fall? Uh, I know you're always busy, uh, a busy guy in the summer scouting, and kind of want to talk to you a little bit about what you got going on. Yeah, you know, uh, being here in Utah, you know, and that's where I, I do, do most of my guiding. The draw came out here a few weeks ago, and so I've been busy since then, and and uh, got some good elk hunts, and you know, some of the best deer hunts, which you always try to get on the Henry Mountains, and a couple other key limited entry draw units, and then a bunch of sheep, both rocky and deserts. So we're gonna have a busy fall, having a lot of fun, um, going with people that. I've drawn some great tags, so I've done okay myself in the draws. Picked up a few, a few tags in different states, and um, so I've got a you know really a good personal hunting fall looking like, as well as you know what I get to tag along with and help others. And uh, yeah, you're right, scouting is right, right about to kick off. Um, you know, trail camera time for some of our elk units and, and deer units. Deer are obviously further behind in growth than elk, so we don't really start ratcheting that up till July more so, where bulls are a lot further along and things are looking great up here right now. Spring's been great. It's turned hot the last seven to ten days, but uh, we've been below normal temperatures all spring, so we can't really complain. It's had to warm up at some point, and... Uh, Utah's green and, and uh, you know, bucks, bulls, and things ought to be able to grow what they're capable of, um, you know, pretty much west-wide. I'm talking to people in Wyoming and Utah, Colorado, northern New Mexico, northern Arizona, Nevada. Everything's setting itself up for what looks to be a great deer and elk year as far as antler growth and whatnot. So, yeah, we're we're about to start getting real busy here. June's a little bit of a lighter month as we get cameras out, and then July, it really, from then on, it gets real, real busy. One thing you brought up there for some of the listeners that maybe aren't aren't as advanced and ha- maybe haven't hunted as much, you mentioned a great point there that the elk, the antlers are a lot further along in development than the mule deer. And I would ask you the question of what do you think drives that? Is it when they actually drop their antlers? Um, and do you perceive that as something that's always been the case that the elk you know, drop their antlers sooner, start growing quicker, and, um, you know, then they shed their velvet, whereas the, the, the mule deer bucks will, you know, they'll they'll shed probably 30 days later uh, in, in a lot of cases than, than the bull elk. What's your thoughts on that, Adam? 
You know, up here, actually, most of our bigger deer will shed in, you know, February. Uh, some linger into March, uh, there's no question, whereas the big elk shed month is March. And so it, it's more than anything, it's biological. Elk are just, they are programmed. They can turn make the turnaround about like none other. Uh, uh, you know, drop them in in March, and by the 1st of August, they're done. They're still in velvet by the 1st of August, but end of July, 1st of August, they're done, and they're just hardening up, and it comes off in mid-August. So it's it's more biological than anything, and um, they just grow. What I mean by that is they just they grow faster, uh, more inches per day um, and everything than deer do. Um, so um, it's, you know, throughout the turkey and bear hunting season this spring, we've been out a bunch, and it's, it just blows your mind, you know, by what even first of May, what bulls are starting to have on their heads. And now by, by June, um, you know, what they've got, you know, what a bull's pretty much probably going to be like by now. I mean, he's obviously not, not done yet, particularly on his top end, but, um, I'm amazed. I was over there on the San Juan unit, um, the end of May, a bunch and, um, saw bulls, well, at the fourth and fifth and sixth and uh, with giant front ends and uh, bulls, you're like, that's a bull you got to try to keep an eye on. So uh, it's exciting. You know, there's a period of time for all of us antler, you know, antler guys that, you know, we don't have a lot to do, but go maybe chase turkeys and some bears. And it's all, it turns around real, real fast. Uh, thanks to Mother Nature. They've got a lot of green feed to eat and it's uh, the head years come along nicely from what I've seen. How do you think, uh, you know that I obviously drew that beaver archery tag for elk. Um, my question for you would be, um, do you think the beaver rivals the San Juan, um, as far as size of top end bulls or, or what, what unit in Utah do you think, uh, this year will have some of the best bulls? I think you drew the tag I would want. I mean, I'm from Monticello, Utah, which is on the San Juan, so I'm a little biased. Grew up there and spent a lot of time there. Love that mountain, and it will produce some great bulls. But <clears throat> per per bull killed, I think they'll be the biggest bulls will come off a of beaver. It has the potential. It's obviously up to the hunters and what they want to hold out for and whatnot. But with the limited tag numbers that beaver has for what's what's there right now you've got something there buddy i remember when you called or texted whichever it was it was just <laughs> shake your head like how oh, does that happen <laughs> you're you're that guy the one guy you know that got the archery tag so well uh, you get a lot to look forward to it's uh it's kind of splitting hairs that you know but but i i would say probably that the beaver for the number of tags that they're going to give and the number of big bulls that they'll kill will probably have the most real big bulls coming off this year that's my pick but we'll see you know one thing i didn't realize we did a podcast uh, a couple months ago when we were breaking down utah and looking at all the different units and it was mind-boggling to me after i drew the tag it really dawned on me that there's actually only seven permits on the beavers one non-resident which is the tag that i drew and six resident tags um, which is great, but I also know that there's over-the-counter archery deer and spike and cow at the same time. But I don't think they can hunt till the last, or they can't hunt the last, or I think the deer hunters can hunt the last week of the season, but the spike and cow 
hunters cannot. Um, I would ask you the question, I've been asking all the guys that uh, come on from Utah the same question. How much bugling, you know, we've got a full moon on September 18th. The archery season ends on the 16th. Um, if you were just talking about, say, that last seven days, you know, say from like the 9th on, um, I mean, is it game on bugling or is it just kind of just starting bugling? That'll vary. That seems to vary a little bit year to year. You know, sometimes you think the moon maybe has something to do with it. Sometimes, obviously, colder or rainier or over overcast weather will more than likely trigger that and keep them going longer than just a hot, high pressure with 75, 85 degree weather. Um, so, but I guess if you just had to, I, I would expect that last five to six days to start getting really good. I would. Um, you know, high bull calc ratio on beaver, that's, you know, a product of, of the management strategy, you know, they managed for average age of seven, eight year old harvested bulls on beaver. So they let a lot of bulls grow up and generally on units with a high bull cow ratio like that and others, they sometimes will get going earlier because, you know, they're hearing their buddies firing off and, you know, nobody wants to be left behind versus when it's, you know, a more of a general season type elk unit and, um, fewer bulls. Sometimes everybody, you know, is a little bit, if there's no rush or no urgency and nobody else is going crazy, well, why, why do you need to start opening your mouth? I don't know. I'm not trying to yeah. be an elk psychologist, but some, sometimes it feels like that's what goes on. But, um, I, I definitely think, you know, with the date shifting later this year, uh, on the archery end, it, it's the best as it could be unless they make any dramatic changes in the future to their archery date. So this was the year to drop for sure. Well, I'm certainly excited for that, for sure. And uh, just uh, here in Colorado, spending the summers here in Colorado um, is is better for me uh, from a standpoint of, uh, you know, getting out and being able to hike around. Uh, my wife and I have uh, been trying to really hike uh, hard every day, and uh, we had a good one this morning. And um, she cracks me up, though. She's, you know, weighs just over a hundred pounds or something. And she gets to the top of a steep grade and gets up there and she's got her hands on her hips, looking back at me, like she's disgusted. Like, what are you doing down there? Hurry up. And I said, just give me another month or so. And maybe you won't have to wait on me, but it's, it's uh, certainly fun trying to get prepared for the hunts. Um, and uh, I know you're probably getting fired up about July 1st usually is when most of my buddies get real fired up about scouting for mule deer and elk and, mm-hmm. and everything else. Yeah, that, that's right. And uh, there's nothing like the motivation to hike the mountain than a good tag tape to your fridge or something like that that you get to see every day. That's, that's pretty good motivation to, you know, get ready and you got plenty of time. And so, yep, it's coming. Coming fast. Yeah, for sure. Well, let's dive into... Arizona and um you know Arizona the uh, the application deadline is coming up on Tuesday uh June 14th and that's just around the corner here in a couple days um so our podcast is a bit late but uh uh first of all tell me what you've got going on there at Epic Outdoors and for those listeners that haven't heard you on some prior podcasts uh, what what you guys got going on? Uh, well, we just uh, 
we just actually finished our real our busy season up till now was uh, running a license application service where um, for a variety of reasons, people that either miss deadlines or travel a lot or just don't have the time or know how or, or are afraid to make mistakes or pick units for them, um, they hire us to take care of all their Western big game hunting applications. And we're just about the tail end of that season winding down with Arizona. Then there's a couple of other, you know, Wyoming points only and, uh, you know, Texas desert sheep and then, you know, the fall bison that we do for Arizona in October. But for the large part, we're 95% done with that. But um, this is this will be a big year for us as we start to uh, bring back a full-service uh, hunting consulting business, including a magazine and everything coming this fall. Um, we've launched a YouTube channel, and uh, we'll, we'll do a bunch of advertising for that, um, maybe have... Uh, if you're kind enough to have us back on later in the fall when we uh, have pushed go on that. We're excited about that. we are a Western um, research-based publication that uh, um, the backgrounds of us involved, Jason Carter and myself, John Peterson, Chris Peterson, all have been immersed in for a lot of years, and uh, we're glad to be back doing doing that, uh, then ability to call in and have hunters call and consult pick units with us uh, in terms of strategizing how they want to use their points, get, you know, at least pick our brains, get us their two cents, things like that, helping folks find landowner tags around the West, uh, helping them find uh, guided hunt opportunities all around Western North America. And again, we're going to really emphasize that that's where we are is Western North America, trying to cover the world. We're not uh, not doing fishing, and, and I know you're a big fisherman, but, but what I mean by that, I fish casually myself, but I'm sticking to what we know and what we love, and that's Western big game, um, you know, addition of, you know, Canada and Mexico with some of the sheep sheep and big game species, the deer and the others that fall within those lines. But um, hunting, uh, all things hunting and all things Western big game, what we'll be doing, um, and uh, we're excited to be, Back doing everything um, from a broader scale than just a license application service starting later this fall. Good. I'm excited to uh, watch you guys progress, and I know you guys will do well. Uh, you've got a great background, and you guys live it and breathe it, so it's going to be awesome to watch. Let's take a quick break here before we get into Arizona. GoHunt.com Insider is by far the most valuable tool a Western hunter could give themselves. GoHunt.com Insider are the industry leaders and number one source for Western hunting for a lot of reasons. GoHunt.com Insider have changed the game for how hunts and hunting information are found. Within a matter of minutes using filtering 2.0, you'll be able to filter by state, species, residency, odds of drawing a tag, specific hunting dates, and harvest success percentages to find the hunts that fit exactly what you're looking for. If you are a guy that applies across the West or just in your home state but want to find some new opportunity, there's no better way to do it than using GoHunt.com Insider. As an exclusive offer to my listeners, if you sign up for a GoHunt.com Insider membership for $149 a year and use the promo code JSCOTT, at checkout, you'll receive a $50 Kuyu gift card. Head on over to GoHunt.com forward slash insider and get yourself the most valuable membership a hunter could have. 
I have known the owners of the Outdoorsman's in Phoenix for over 20 years. They are the authority on optics and hunting gear. Outdoorsman's is the leading designer and manufacturer of high-quality tripods, mounting accessories, and pack systems for all hunters. Their customer service is the best in the business. Go to Outdoorsman's.com or call 1-800-291-8065 and use the J. Scott promo code to receive 10% off any Outdoorsman's products. Okay, Adam, let's dive into Arizona sheep and elk, and why don't you give the listeners a little bit of a breakdown of how Arizona works, how they do their draw, and uh, with the new change for the non-resident, kind of walk through the whole process. Okay, um, yeah, the the draw is conducted in, in two steps, basically. They, they first... Um, run what they call a bonus point or a bonus pass portion of the draw where 20% of the tags in each hunt code are set aside for the applicants with the most points. Um, for sheep this year, that's 27 points for deer. That's 19. Now that's the absolute max. There will be, there will not be any sheep tags that will, will drop below that, but there will be obviously deer units that, you know, max points, maybe nine or 10, it just is a product of who applies for that unit, an early deer hunt or some of the coos hunts, you know, some of them three or four points. So, but I'm giving the absolute max points, which is 19, which is most relevant for those mule deer guys that are looking at the, the Northern Arizona units, 13B, 13A, and, uh, you know, those that maybe are one or two points shy of that looking at, you know, the 12A and 12B units. But uh, so Arizona Game and Fish first runs the draw and uh, allocates 20% of their tags to the maximum point holders, and then the other 80% go randomly. And the biggest change this year that really only applies for deer for non-residents is that in the past, when they were running the bonus point pass draw, and keeping in mind that uh, non-residents can also only be drawn for up to 10% of a hunt code uh, allocated tags per hunt code for deer. Uh, take a hunter tag u- unit, for instance. They would they would draw 20 maximum point um, tag holders, and 10 of those would be non-residents and meet therefore the non-resident uh, unit hunt code quota, and leaving no random quota. Well, that's all changed now. Uh, half the non-resident tags have to be have to remain for that random portion of the drawing. So on the very, very best mule deer units, you can pretty much look at the non-resident quota that it will get, it will get half of that will get met in the non-resident bonus point pass because um, there are about 140 maximum point holders that have 19 points, like 136 of them are non-residents. So they're very dominant at the top. They'll they'll clean up their their portion five percent in that draw. Residents are now going to get more of those tags in the bonus point pass, um, and uh, then it's just kind of a free for all after that in the random draw. But I guess the moral of the story is everybody now has at least a chance to draw thirteen A, thirteen B, late Kaibab, late twelve B deer tags, where before they all went to max point holders if you were a non-resident. So that's big news. It gives gives hope i guess and uh you know we saw it with some of our license application clients on the on the elk uh we had guys draw with four or five points some of the best archery elk hunts in the state and uh they would not have drawn that under the old system for elk so uh 
you know, it, it, it obviously depends on what side of the fence you're on. If you're one of those guys with 19 points, your weight probably got a little bit longer to guarantee you a tag, uh, just like it did on the elk. And so you're not that happy about that. Um, it's probably something that is just lo- a change that is long overdue. You know, 10 years ago or so, if this would have changed, would be used to it. That's probably, honestly, a more fair way to do it because there were a lot of disenfranchised applicants that applied for deer every year that had zero chance to draw. And now that's not the case. And uh, so it's probably a fair way. It's just hard when a system has been in place for almost, you know, 20 years to to change it when you're one of the last few at the top. And uh, and I understand that. So, But uh, for sheep, on the other hand, um, the maximum point holders are almost all resident. I think there's only five or so non-residents left with 27 sheep points. So it really has never been an issue, um, the non-resident quota being met or exceeded or anything like that on the sheep draw. The majority of the maximum point holders um, are residents. That's where the tags are going to go. It seems like non-residents are almost every year meet their 10% um, statewide um, sheep quota, draw 10, you know, 9, 10, 11 sheep tags a year in the random draw. And that so that's really not going to change much for sheep. Um, we as non-residents, I say we because I am one, you're not, but uh, we have to just get lucky in the random draw. And so a um, couple things to keep in mind on the sheep. Non-residents must apply for a unit that has at least two sheep tags to be eligible. If you apply for a unit with one tag, it's going to go to a resident, and so you just wasted an application. Um, And non-residents can draw no more than 50% or up to two sheep tags in in any hunt code. So any unit with four, five, six, seven sheep tags, um, you know, they they can't all go to non-residents, so they're limited that way as well. So... Um, you know, and you and Dar and Craig did a good job, I think, a few weeks ago, really breaking down sheep units top to bottom and individually. I mean, it really, there's something for everybody in Arizona. If you just want to play the odds and try to draw a sheep tag, um, you know, some of the units in southern Arizona that might consider if you either get to hire an outfitter or are physically able to go hunt hard and backpack hunt would be some of the 46 A and B units. They tend to always have some of the better drawing odds in the state and still have the ability to produce, you know, 170 plus or 175 plus rams. On occasion, you know, 180 rams have come out of 46A. So it's not like they're any slouch, but, but generally because they're closer to the border, some of them take involve more hiking and things like that. They generally have better odds, you know, some of the other 40, you know, B Mohawk, Gila, you know, some of those tend to have better odds as well. Um, something on sheep to probably stay away from for for all applicants frankly residents and non-residents are the the most popular trophy units in arizona which you guys discussed you know the 22 the 24s um you know maybe aravipa 31 32 37a um uh, the tomosas those units don't always but more that more often than not some of them have been for many years straight the tag, all the tags have been issued in the maximum point draw, leaving no random tags for either residents or non-residents. So even though they are probably those ones that I just rattled off tend to be where most of the, if you'd say high 170s, 180-plus rams have been coming from the last, you know, 5, 10 years, they're rightfully great trophy units. But if you don't have 27 points, just be aware that if you apply for those units, 
on a hope and a prayer that a tag slips to the random draw, it's probably going to be just that, a hope and a prayer. You may just be wasting a sheep application if you do two choices within those units that I mentioned. I definitely follow it up with something that that tends to be more the middle of the road or, you know, still you got to fit the criteria you want in a desert sheep, but but there are other units, you know, some of the 40, you know, 40 other 44 units or 40, 41s or 43Bs that um, don't tend to get cleaned up or have enough tags, they're not going to get cleaned up in the max point draw. So, anyway, wouldn't you wouldn't you say that's pretty much right on? I mean, you're you're sheep guy down there, Jay, and I, I just can't stress that enough. A lot of guys, a lot of guys put in for what they label as the best, and they have zero chance. You know, put in for a 22 and a 24B north or south or something, and they have zero chance most years. Um, once in a while, when 24B South had, you know, an extra tag or two, a tag would slip to the random draw. But now that 22 is cut to two tags and the others are down to one, just just stay away, away from them, frankly, if you don't have max points or you're probably just wasting the application. Yeah, and I think another thing that I go back and forth a lot of times with people on emails and they call me and they just can't get over the fact of, you know, that maybe a tag will slip you know, into the random pool. And I, and I go, I go, look, you only have so many years that you're physically able to hunt sheep. And so in my mind, if you do not have max points, you absolutely have to be applying for some of the, uh, maybe lesser quality units, but better draw odds because your odds are so steep as it is. And I, I think a lot of people really don't understand. They're like, oh, well, I have about a 1% chance to draw. Well, no. If, I, you're, a lot if, of, you're, if you're round to one, yeah. but really it's .0001, but you yeah. every, every, everybody just puts 1% because that's the closest round yeah. number. Yeah. And so if you have, you know, say 25 or 30 years of, you know, quote unquote, good years of, you know, physically being able to hunt sheep, in my mind, you need to be trying to uh, draw any tag that you can. And maybe that doesn't mean you put the absolute worst quality, you know, sheep units and try and draw, but you've got to find that happy medium, like you were saying, you know, the 46As, the 46Bs, you know, the 40Bs, and, and some of those units where, you know, you actually have a fighting chance in there. Um, and so I think you make a great point there. Uh, but you know, to, to have, be a non-resident and to put in for, and have less than max points and put in for 22, I mean, 22 has gone to max point holders for, I want to say like 10 plus years. I don't know. Longer than I even want to look up and, and rightfully yeah. so there's, you know, there's, that's, right. it's been the best, but if you're a maximum point holder, one of those hundred and something people. That's okay. probably your first choice or second. Yeah. You know, you should Absolutely. put that, you know, and then uh, just Swing realize the that, fence. Yeah. yeah, you know, you should. And then um, every once in a while you'll see people drawing a max point tag out somewhere, a, a Kofas or you know, a 15D or, or places like that. And that's just those people that are probably getting, maybe they're getting up and tired and they they just say, I want to go hunt. And uh, I, you know, there's there's a lot to be said for that with sheep and that's not just Arizona but everywhere. Desert sheep tags or even rocky tags are they're the hardest of the hard to draw and you just need your name in the hat as many times in your life as you can and and not do not do points only or not make uninformed application choice decisions that really give you zero, literally zero chance to draw. So And and 
on that same note, I mean, I've had people say, well, how many is max? And I say, well, 27. And they're like, well, I've got 18. So in nine years, I'll draw. And I'm like, <laughs> no, you have to understand that that number of 27 is going to keep growing every year until the, you know, 112 people get, you know, rooted out of that maximum point pool. Yeah, and then that then it right. really starts to set in with guys, and they're like, "Oh, I get it now." It's yeah, it's, there's two or three hundred on every point tier below that, and then you get five or six below it. There's five or six hundred every point tier. So, max is twenty seven for this year only. It will never be twenty seven again. <laughs> that's what people right. need to. It's not a. It that's not the ceiling. It stops there. That's just two thousand sixteen worth that. Yep. So. Takes a little bit of walking through with some people, but that's you know that's kind of what I'm just trying to say is be realistic. Um, if you are a max point holder and you're one of the most unlucky people over the last 28, 26 years in Arizona, and you're that 112 people that have not drawn yet, you're still in the driver's seat. Your time's coming. You know, roughly five or six years from now, they'll be gone because uh, they're roughly taking you know 20. I mean, around 20 a year. So you know, five yeah. or six years will be. Finally, the one point below, but then there's looking at numbers here, 235 of those chomping at the bit right now. So, yeah, but, right, nipping at your heels, uh, raring and ready for the five right. or six years to go by, so that they're, they're in the max point pool. And you know, that's another point. I I I talk to people all the time that have 26, you know, one under, and uh, you know, last year it was 25, whatever one under is, and I always ask them, how old are you? Yeah, and how important is it for you to kill a, you know, 170 plus ram? You know, if if killing a 170 and you're, you know, fairly young and you've got, you know, 20 more years of applying, then maybe may, yeah. maybe you gamble a little bit and and uh, just wait your time out and know that maybe in 10 or 12 or, you know, 14 years you'll ha you'll be in the driver's seat and you'll be that, you know, have a pretty good chance. But, you know, if if guys call me and you know they're 65 years old, you know, I'm like, yeah, it could be, you know, another 15 years. And, you know, I know some guys that have been 78, 80 years old that are still hunting, but, you know, not everybody's going to be in that situation. So, I, I mean, everybody's case is different and I'm sure you deal with it on a much grander scale, but uh, yeah, you, you make great points there. Yeah. Well, it's, it just is what it is. There's it's too much demand for, for sheep. Um, they're, they're great animals in every state and way too much demand. Um, just due to the, the nature of sheep being sheep and the, their biology, we're, we're all, all the state agencies and state, uh, you know, wild sheep or FANAS organizations and chapters are doing all we can and very vigilant, but sheep are still sheep and they're probably never going to be, you know, they're going to be hopefully better than they are now, but they're never going to be prolific, you know, enough to just really start cranking through all this. It's just not realistic in the world that we live in with sheep and way habitat and, and people we're here now and, you know, with the disease that's, you know, you know, ever present and rearing its ugly head. So uh, it just is what it is. So. Yeah, let's, um, I think we covered sheep pretty good there. Let's uh, take a break and then we'll move on to deer. Utah Hydrographics is in the water transfer printing service and they are open to whatever you can dream up. Choose from a wide range of camel patterns, designs, and colors. 
Whether it's guns, bows, tools, rifle stocks, vehicles, steering wheels, fenders, dashboards, paint guns, fishing rods, cups, tripods, watches, knife grips, helmets for a local sports team or for your motorcycle, picture frames, mailbox, animal skulls, you name it, they can probably do it. Utah Hydrographics loves taking things that are general looking and turns them into something that looks fantastic and eye-popping. Give them a call and see what they can do for you and receive up to a 10% discount by using the J. Scott 16 promo code. Visit them at utahhydrographics.com or on Instagram at Utah Hydrographics. Whether you are interested in elk, deer, antelope, bighorn sheep, or moose, Western Hunter and Elk Hunter magazines will bring the adventure to your mailbox. These publications feature articles on the finest hunting gear, tips and tactics from experienced hunters, field judging trophies, glassing techniques, calling strategies, and much more. To become a more knowledgeable and skilled hunter, subscribe today. Go to westernhunter.net forward slash jscott and enter your email address for a chance to win a $1,500 credit towards any Swarovski product. Okay, Adam, let's uh, bounce over to Arizona deer and um, have you kind of walk through your thoughts on the Arizona deer, both mule deer and coos deer. All right. Well, like I alluded a minute ago, there's uh, there's been very little hope for a lot of people that dream of hunting a strip or the late Kaibab or any of those, you know, more revered, well, the most revered mule deer tags in Arizona the last, you know, forever until this year. And, uh, you know, there are going to be some random tags, you know, available, you know, two to three to five, you know, non-resident random tags in a lot of those hunts. And that's not a lot. The odds will be steep for them, but at least there's a chance. And so, um, for the first time in a long, long time, um, since probably the point system started, uh, there's going to be people just get flat out lucky and, and draw deer tags, um, non-residents. You know, obviously there's been residents getting lucky, but I'm talking mainly for non-residents now. Um, there's only four residents. Whoever those four are, I don't, you know, they get get drawn, get it on. This is looking like a great year in Arizona. <laughs> um, you're guaranteed probably your tag if you put in for it this year. I don't know who they are and what their situation is, but... Um, only four of you, and, um, you know, northern Arizona, especially, you know, the 13A and B, um, and even the 12Bs and 12As have had a great um, spring, early summer moisture pattern. It's been awesome. You know, same thing for southern Nevada and southern Utah. So this is not one of those years. The benefit of having a deer draw a little bit later in Arizona is you can hedge your bed a little bit until June this year, 14th, and if it's looking like a terrible dry drought year, um, sit it out if you're a maximum point holder. This this does not look like one of those years. So, um, you know, with the dates on 13A and B kind of flip-flopping this year, those dates that are always kind of alternating weeks overlap maybe a couple of days. But 13B is the, late, the later of the two now, November 11 to 20. Um it, It's just clearly, you know, it's probably always labeled as the best. And now with the dates, the later um, versus 13A, it, it, it would be. That would be that. That'll be my first choice. I'm still vacillating on a second choice. Is the only reason I haven't applied yet. But I'll dream big and swing for the fence. Um, I'm actually two points shy of Mac, so I'm really 
um, not anticipating, you know, drawing a 13A or B rifle tag um, in my lifetime. So, you know, I lose my second choice uh, still as one of these uh, later hunts up here usually to until I get drawn, and then, then I'll probably, you know, anything's fair game, you know, the coups and everything like that. Um, but the 12A West late hunt, the 12B West, the 12B um, late hunts, um, they're all great. Uh, November 18th to 27th, I guess. This great year, dates. super um, great rut dates. Again, great moisture year. They've trimmed the tags a little bit on 12A West the last few years. Not quite as many early hunts and as many late tags. So um, that's still a high quality hunt for, especially for people. If you're a point or two off the top uh, top pool max point, and uh, you're getting up in age, or you wanna, you know, you wanna go hunting, definitely might consider some of those. Um, versus just saying, hey, I'm going to wait, wait out 12B uh, or, thir- or 13B uh, or A for the rest of my life because it's just, it's going to, they're going to whittle away the non residents now off those units at a snail's pace. You know, three, three or so, three or four a year out of 13A and B is all they're going to draw because uh, there's, you know, 60, 70, 60 to 80 tags a year. So, you know, that six to eight can go to non residents and only half can go into max point draw. So they're only going to take three or four a year out of those. And right now there's 136 of them left, so it's it's going to really slow that that whittling down off that 19 point pool. And again, that that's that's unfortunate for those people sitting there. And it's you know it, it unfortunately just is what it is. But um, a but lot of think of off- the guys that have no chance now they have a chance. There's going to be someone that draws a 13B rifle tag with about two points and. You know, we're we're going to read about it in your magazine, I'm yeah. sure. And just somebody's going to get lucky. And I, I mean, honestly, I feel for the guys that have been putting in for a long time. But I think overall, it's the best for non-residents. It is a fair way. I just, I wish it was. The loophole kind of created itself. It was never intended to happen the way it was. It just the the product, the the quality, and the high demand for 13 A and B and some of the high quality elk units just it created the system. Um, it wasn't, you know, intended to work that way. It probably should have been corrected eight or 10 years ago. And, and then it wouldn't be quite as bad. It would have been, would be used to it. The, the growing pains would be through, but it, it is what it is. But, uh, obviously Arizona mule deer, everything, you know, in the 12 and 13 units north of, of Grand Canyon are where most everybody think of. There are a few other units in the state, um, that, uh, some great mule deer can come from, um, generally take some local knowledge or, you know, outfitters that seem to excel or, or really pick up on some good mule deer while they're scouting and hunting other species like deer or elk and antelope and stuff like that. And 27 or even nine or 10, some of those units can produce great mule deer. But um, most people, especially non-residents, when they think of mule deer in Arizona, they're looking at the 12 and 13 units. Um, the reality of it is if you've got no man's land points, I guess you have a, a, a chance now, so you might just say, hey, I'm going to ride it out. But but the early hunts down there um, are, are where you can actually at least have a chance to hunt. They don't have early tags on 13, um, but they do in 12A and B. Um, they can be tough hunts some year, um, late October dates, maybe dipping into early November. They don't this year, but some years they do. Um, and, you know, there's a lot more hunters there. They're not, uh, they're not, you know, sitting on go rut hunts like the others are, but there are opportunities to still hunt good units with great genetics and, and hope to get lucky, but hunt them maybe every, 
you know, five or eight years and, you know, and, and do it on a rotation. Um, Adam, was that buck that um, your partner Jason Carter shot, oh, eight or ten years ago, that giant was like a 270 buck? Was that a 12B late 12B or early? Late. 12B late. He, uh, wow. he had maximum points. And uh, um, there were a couple... There were a couple big deer roaming around on 12B. There were a giant set of sheds picked up that spring, a spring prior to the application. He followed his application of 13B up with 12B late and drew it. So, uh, yeah, I mean, that's obviously a tremendous deer no matter what unit you're in. And uh, got very fortunate to find it and, and kill it. But, um, that you know, there are deer... Um, 220 to 250 deer that always are coming off at the, the late Kaibab and late 12B hunts. Um, I'm not going to make it sound like there's a lot of them, and I will admit that there's per deer killed. There are more 200-inch deer killed on the 13 units than there are on the 12 late hunts, but but still, um, if you're a point or two off, you should be looking at those other units because now, like I said, if you're taking seven or eight non-residents a year out, is all off the top point pool it's going to be 15 or 20 years to get rid of them. Um, and, uh, the guys are in their sixties or seventies that, that, that may never happen for them. They may never be in the maximum point pool. So you might really look at it, uh, maybe too late for this year, such like you said, we're a little later in the, and, uh, this podcast is a little bit late, but something you definitely should be thinking about. So, um, and then, you know, obviously the other, the other, I don't, I don't want to say forgotten because for most Arizonans, <laughs> um, they're as rabid about coos deer as they are anything us mule deer hunters. And, uh, um, so, uh, but from a non-resident perspective, I guess at least most people that apply even through our application service are, are targeting wanting to try to draw for mule deer. Um, but having said that with a lot fewer points, even for the December hunts, which are, um, thought of as, you know, the best, uh, because although they're, they're not rut dates, you um you just get a lot lower tag numbers um cool weather you know it's very pleasant i think it's the night to the 31st now it's a long hunt and uh like i said pleasant weather maybe a little bit of pre-rut activity if you you know but but those are good hunts and a lot of those top end units can be drawn with eight to 11 points in arizona those late december hunts and so if you've ever had an inkling to hunt coos, haven't ever gone to Mexico, and you think you're no man's land, and you hunt mule deer regularly enough in a lot of other states that you think, you know, I'm spinning my wheels on the mule deer thing in, in Arizona. I don't want to just do an early hunt on, uh, up north in the Kaibab or something. You might really consider some of the coos units, you know. And, and Jay, obviously, you being a resident and a coos, you know, no. freak, freak, not whatever you want to say. Um, the, the opportunities, as you well know, are endless. Some units have three or four seasons, and uh, you know the October hunts can be tough, but hot. But oftentimes, are if you've had a chance to scout and find bucks, maybe in the summer when they're tied more to water and things like that, you know a buck's living in an area. Um, a lot of guys, you correct me if I'm wrong, will kill some great, great deer right out of the get-go, um, either there or even in the over-the-counter archery hunt in August and September. And, uh, obviously as a non-resident, that's maybe not quite as, um, you, you, unless you're going to hire somebody, that's not as easy to do the scouting down there, you know, while you're, you're scouting 23 or 27 for, 
elk, you're finding big coos and incidentally and trail cameron on some of the same elk waters and things like that. But, um, you know, you can draw, you can hunt coos every year in Arizona if you really want to do it every single year, especially if you get the hundred head and loyalty point, the lowest you go back down to is two points. And uh, I know guys from here in Utah that they draw every single year down there. Um, you know, put a good unit as a first choice and uh, something that they're normally always going to give as a second choice. And I'm sure you do as well, Jay. Or you know people. Like yeah, that I mean, I I think you make a great point there. I think there's some you know eight to eleven point holders that you know could have a great December hunt. Um, it's a great time of year to hunt. The deer seem to be more active. Uh, the last five days of the of the season, you know, af- typically after Christmas, you definitely in the northern units definitely get bucks. You know, following those. Uh, sometimes depending on cold snaps and stuff uh, in in the southern Arizona units. Uh, you know, the 33s and the, you know, the 36Cs and, you know, 36As, Bs, 34As, um, you know, you can get some rut. But you make a great point, too, that, you know, if you just love to hunt, um, there's, you know, October, November, and even some of those late kind of uh, mid, late uh, November, early December uh, coos deer hunts that you can virtually draw with, you know, a couple points. Uh, and, and then there's units that always have leftover tags as well. And, you know, actually some of the biggest bucks of the year, I think, get killed on the very first hunt, the October yes. hunt. And, you know, if, if if you have the means to hire a guide, um, you know, there are definitely, the thing about coos deer is they're very habitual. Mm-hmm. Uh, they don't, they have a real tight circle. And uh, especially in those October time frames, they don't move a lot. So, you know, if if you have the time to scout a buck out yourself or if you hire an outfitter, uh, that's really dialed in on those early hunts. I mean, some of the best bucks of the year get shot early yes. from the guys that really watch them and, and, you know, know what they're doing. So, you know, I encourage the non-residents out there, uh, you know, if, if, if you just want to go hunt and, and it's unbelievable country. If you haven't been in Cooster country, it's, it's a really neat country. And even some of the units that have, you know, three, four, five hundred, six hundred 600 tags, even in those units, if you're willing to put a backpack on and you're willing to go the extra mile and you're willing to, you know, put in a little bit of effort to get back in some of those canyons that, you know, are not accessible or easily as accessible by road, um, you can have some unreal hunts, um, you know, and see a lot of deer um, and, and, you know, have a really good uh, adventure and experience. So, um, I think you bring up a good point there. Uh, and, you know, I encourage anyone to, you know, it, I don't know many people that have decided to go hunt coos that don't get hooked on them. I mean, I, I know a couple guys that have like said, well, I've tried it and I just don't get it. But the majority of people that I talk to that finally go try a coos hunt, they want to go the next year. They're yeah. fired up. I mean, it's, it's an, a, they're an addicting animal for sure. And, um, you know, they have characteristics, you know, different than a mule deer and they're, but a big coos deer in their own right is, uh, is unbelievable. I think. Yeah, you're absolutely right. And I, uh, I, I look at through social media and other, uh, avenues at a lot of the big deer that come out of Arizona. And, you know, I'm kind of like I alluded earlier, I'm a little bit committed, not a little bit, a lot committed to, uh, to get my quote one late deer tag up North. 
um, mule deer tag. And, and then I'm, I'm all in for whatever happens after that, if that makes sense. <laughs> uh, yeah. you know, meaning I'll, I'll play coos. I'm going to go hunting as often as I can because, uh, I realized that, you know, start, you know, put your name back in the hat. I may do a mule deer, not my first choice, but coos second choice will be every year because I, I've only hunted them once and, uh, look forward to do, do it again this year, but they, they are, they're fun. Anybody that loves to glass. You know, yeah. I, I love big to hunt country. sheep. Yeah, I love to hunt sheep, and I love to hunt big mule deer by and by glassing and spot and stalking. And that is exactly how you hunt coos deer. And and like you said, those guys that that either target coos specifically in the summer when they're a little bit more tied to water and things like that, they can find them. All you need is one one visual of a buck, either through a trail camera or a scouting experience early on, and it's he's game dead. on, game on. Yeah. You know he's there. Yeah. He's not, you know, he's not, you know, he's not going to migrate through to some other place or things like that. So in, in a lot of these units, whether it be outfitters that are targeting them or they're, you know, hunting hard and scouting hard and go through all the elk hunts, you know, through all of that period of time, you get one or two encounters of a buck and he's on the hit list come October on that first hunt. So I totally agree. A lot of, a lot of you, as you all know, a lot of guys will on that over the counter archery hunt, uh, they'll watch some of the some awesome bucks then too for the same reasons they find them early um they know i i'll I'll sit here every day for you know two weeks of vacation if i need to because i've seen a 130 buck here and and that that would be worth doing obviously so anyway uh just just something for a lot of people to consider um the reality of the of the mule deer thing if you don't want to ever drop and do the mule deer the early mule deer seasons up up on the kaibab or whatnot you might consider coos. The opportunities and units and seasons and combinations are pretty much endless. I'd, I'd use your points wisely. If you've got eight or ten or twelve points, you probably want to use them on a December hunt once, and then get back in the you know um, habit of okay, just going back as often as you want to make time to do it. So, for sure, let's take a quick break here. Have you guys heard about Phone Scope? PhoneScope is a privately held company that makes custom-molded, precisely engineered smartphone digiscoping adapters. Photographing wildlife has never been easier. Take digiscoping photos and videos from your smartphone and share them with your friends. PhoneScope stands behind their product with a 100% money-back guarantee. PhoneScope is the future of digiscoping. Get yours now. Use the JSCOT16 promo code and receive 10% discount on all purchases. Check them out at Phonescope, that's P-H-O-N-E-S-K-O-P-E dot com, or on Instagram, at Phonescope. Wilderness Athlete is committed to improving the health and quality of life for the outdoor athlete by providing field-tested, scientifically validated nutrition and sports performance products. Check them out at WildernessAthlete.com and use the J. Scott promo code to receive 10% off any order. Adam, one hunt that um, jumps out at me that uh, on the mule deer side of it that I think is a little bit of a sleeper, um, and I may get some hate mail because of pointing it out, but um, that unit 9, December 9th through the 31st, you know, super low density of deer. Uh, there's only 15 permits. It's a new tag. I think that could potentially be a pretty dang good hunt. Uh, with that being said, I think it could be boom or bust. You know, I, I, yep. I think as as much time as I've spent there, there's just not a lot of deer. 
Um, I think it would require a lot of local knowledge uh, to do well or or just plain, you know, stumble on a buck. But yeah. um, there are a few good deer there. There are deer that move in and out of the park. And, um, you know, that's a new hunt for this year. And it's just something that um, jumped out at me. Uh, the other unit uh, that I think is interesting um, and, and some decent deer come off there is uh, Unit 3C. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, typically pretty rare to get, you know, a buck over 200. Um, but they do kill some bucks, you know, in that 180, 190, mm-hmm. maybe even pushing 200. Um, and I know my three C buddies are probably going to elbow me and say, uh, <laughs> we kill bucks over 200, but I mean, it's not, it's not real common to kill a buck over 200, but that's, that's another sleeper kind of, and it's not so much of a sleeper, but, uh, cause quite a few people know about it. And then obviously the 27 late, uh, December 9th through the 31st. Uh, you know, 25 tags, uh, I think those mule deer will be really rutting. Uh, and I think it could be similar, kind of a boom or bust. But, you know, if you've got the ability to spend, you know, the whole season, uh, I, th- I think you could kill a good deer. And then uh, back to the coos deer, um, you know, I would venture to say that any non-resident out there that draws an October or a November coos tag if they're really, really serious and they do want to do the hunt themselves and they put in the time to, to figure out how to get back into some of the country that people don't go to, I just want to reiterate, I think you could kill a 100-inch-plus buck every year if you uh, really worked at it. Uh, yeah, I agree. I guess I'll, I'll first start with some of those um, uh, mule deer as you pointed out, I, I agree. I, I saw that Unit 9 when it came out. I know about the park. you got some reservation issues there, too. But um, I totally agree. That's not going to be one that you should put in, go down there, expect to drive around in your truck and rut hunt, you know, great bucks no. out of your pickup window. Um, there will be... A, you could go a day and not see a deer. Yeah, or days. Exactly. Yeah. Or without seeing bucks, that would probably be one. No question that I would look at, unless you're a resident and you know it well through past experience of hunting with you know elk or whatever else you're spending up there. Uh, you might look at enlisting an outfitter self that spends a lot of time there, knows uh, that have that have came across some of those big deer, like we alluded to, you know, kind of on the coos end of things earlier. While they're up there scouting the elk and doing all that, they're like, well, we know some big deer. If everybody draws that, we're game on. Um, but yeah, I, I would agree. I think that hunt used to be on 20, they used to have a 23 hunt. Um, then, and they killed a few really good mule deer on it then. Uh, now it's this year, 27 and, and nine. So yeah, it's going to be interesting to see how many points somebody's more to put on the line to draw that. looks like there'll be maybe three maximum point tags, but from a non-resident standpoint, there's only going to be one and it will go to the random draw because, uh, you know, there's only one, and then they favor the random draw. So it won't go to a maximum point uh, holder um, non-resident. So for somebody that maybe is lost in no man's land and has either got a lot of time or is willing to hire somebody there, that I think you got a, you got big buck potential. You know, you got 200 buck potential there like you do in 3C. Um, the one thing I guess I will say about 3C is <clears throat> I think – for a lot of people, and I and I have a lot of friends and, and other outfitters that, that, that work hard on the Kaibab and do well for their hunters on the early hunt, but some years, 
when the hunting's tough and you've got five to seven hundred hunters up there, it can it can right, be a right. grind, and uh, you don't have that on three A three C. I mean, it's uh, not as big a unit either, but but I think there's a hundred tags, and um, you know you're you're going to have an opportunity to hunt a hundred and seventy inch plus buck with you know a little better potential than that. That's I think how most of you and I's friends and acquaintances that spend time and, and guide there would, would tout that as a 170, you know, plus buck hunt. Uh, anything 180 plus is absolutely, the, you know, let's kill the deer. And 190, 200 is, we, we won the Super Bowl. You know, we did great. They're yeah. there, but not a lot of them. So I, I would agree with all of those. And, uh, um, you know, just, you know, again, those are some options for people that um, if you have a lot of points, um, when I say a lot, eight to 10, you might want to be a little bit careful applying there because you likely would draw it. And so if you're going to hire somebody, it's a good, good idea to probably talk to somebody beforehand, um, that, and, and get somebody selected ahead of time. If you can see it coming, kind of like if you're going to switch and do December coups and you're going to need some help, you, you don't want to talk with somebody and narrow down the one or two units you want to do so that you don't draw the tag in a July 1st of August and start finding somebody and find out, well, they had, already had two hunters at the same points or point more draw and they, they can't help right. your whatever. So that one's your, if you've got some points, you can, a three, a three C tag or, or, uh, you know, these, these December coups hunts, you can, you can see them coming to some extent and plan them. If you've got that, you know, both, you know, what's required to get a maximum point tag. Yeah. Good point. Uh, want to finish up today and ask you about the point guard system and ask you if it, have you applied for it yet i i have not applied i have not put my application in so i have not done the point guard uh but can you tell me a, a little bit about yeah. what it is yeah it's basically and it's nice to have it. a lot of states will have the ability to turn your tag back in um nevada utah colorado they all have if you draw too many tags or you draw something and for some reason some emergency or whatever, you, you can't do the hunt. You've got the ability. They all have their own stipulations to turn your tag back in, but you can do it and get your points back. And in some cases, get a refund as well. Um, Arizona, this is the first year they've done that. They call it the point guard system. Um, to When you're checking out, uh, it'll be almost the second, second to last screen you get to on each species. Um, if you have not already... Arizona's created this new portal account system that they want everybody to go make a portal account. It's just their unique, their unique um, ID and where they log all your draw results, your points, everything, a place to go see it all. You have to go create that. If you've not created that for you, you will not be able to add the point guard system when you go apply. So don't think, okay, I'm just going to add that when I apply pay the $5 per species and do it. You have to have created a portal account. So do that ahead of time. Um, and then it is, it is $5 per species. It's not a lot. It's probably very cheap insurance, especially if you're going to quote gamble a little bit with say, I mean, I can't see anybody on a sheep tag doing this, but, uh, but maybe there'd be a circumstance. But on deer, obviously, you know, you draw a tag and it's not, maybe you didn't do the research, you found out it's not as good as you thought, or maybe, um, you know, somebody else drew something in another state, whatever, priorities change. 
and you want to turn it in, it's cheap insurance to be able to do that. The, the, the thing to keep in mind is the way Arizona set it up is you can only turn your tag back in once, and you have to do it before the season starts. There's a simple process that looks like the forms you fill out, take it to a game of fish office, surrender your tag, you're done. Once you do that with, say, a deer tag, you can't do the point guard system again until you've drawn a deer tag, and then it resets itself. So I kind of probably like that that because it, it'll stop the the abuse if there's any abuse going to happen from a system like this um, and, and keep it to the legitimate, I've got an issue and I need to turn this back, or the dreaded, as we've all heard, on cow tags or doe tags, somebody put in the wrong hunt code, blew a bunch <laughs> of points on a cow elk tag, and they called every game and fish commissioner and game and fish office trying to find somebody that gives and it's just unfortunate. And so it, this can stop, it's remedy that. Um, but every individual will have to create a portal account. The one thing I will say about that for families, you know, myself included, when applying my wife and kids is um, if you've created a portal account, you know what I'm talking about. They'll email you like a confirmation email, um, and you have to have a unique email, unless they've changed it on, on the deer draw. But at least on the elk and antelope draw, um, they you couldn't use one email for 5 or 10 or 15 family members. Um, you needed to a unique email going to each one, but uh, maybe they corrected that for the deer. I haven't finished all my family yet, so I don't know. But that was one pet peeve when the deer and elk, or uh, sorry, elk and antelope results came out, is that the first person, you know, myself or whoever that, that logged on, created the portal account with the set email address. You'd have to create it or use your wife, or you know, in some cases, not all your kids have email addresses if they're young. So it created a problem there that you couldn't do that, but. Anyway, maybe they've overcome that on the deer, but, but make sure you set up your portal account and it'll be a prompt. You'll check in, opt in. It'll add $5 to your species. It's cheap insurance. Keep in mind, you can only do it once. And, uh, you know, I guess for those people on the strip or someone like that, that, that drew it in a drought year, that might be cheap insurance that you drew it. And this is just one of those terrible years. It doesn't look like it's going to be that at all, but, uh, could be used in a situation like that. But again, once you use it once, it's gone. You can't do it again until you've, you've drawn that species and everything resets. Yeah, and I might also add, um, I didn't hear you say it. You actually lose your money. Uh, you forfeit the money for the tag, but you do get your bonus points reinstated and you yeah. do get an additional bonus point for that year, just as if you put in for a bonus point. So, I yeah. mean, overall, I think... We've all known situations. I had a guy call me. He was super excited. He drew a Unit 10 archery elk permit, and then he realized uh, a week later that it was an archery uh, antlerless, a cow elk yeah. permit, and uh, he was just sick. Yeah, um, these will correct those problems. I, I didn't go into that. You're absolutely right. That's the big benefit of it. Not only you turn your tag back in, but you get your points back to the points pre-draw plus one. Who cares if you made a big mistake? You're glad for them to keep your $300 non-resident deer permit fee if just to not have to take your doe tag that you drew on the county of Ab or, or Yeah, if someone like died and, you know, you had to go to a funeral or, you know, there's crazy things we know every year that happens. I think it's good insurance, so I, I think yeah. it's a good thing. Yeah, and, I agree. Uh, I agree. Well, it's been awesome having you on, Adam, as always. Um, just uh, wish you the best uh, success scouting here this summer, and I'm glad you've got a lot of great hunts coming up this fall, and I know my listeners are always excited to hear from you. So 
Uh, just appreciate your time, and uh, I look forward to talking to you down the road here and uh, probably closer to uh, scouting season, and maybe we can hear some of the preview of some of the bucks and rams and bulls that you're watching. And uh, So until then, buddy, God bless, and uh, keep doing a great job. Thanks a lot, Jay. Appreciate it, and, yeah, wish and, everybody good luck in the draws. Yeah, and I want to give you a chance to uh, make sure people know how to get a hold of you. Uh, probably the easiest way is just to go to epic, E-P-I-C, outdoors.com. Um, all of our email and um, uh, phone numbers are right on there. That's the easiest way. Um, you know, we start to get into the scouting season. We're not going to be in the office quite as often, so maybe an email. Um, mine's Adam at epicoutdoors.com. But, uh, you know, if you got something really pressing, keep in mind as, as July and August and obviously then September hits, uh, we're going to be gone scouting and hunting a bunch. And so, uh, you know, if there's anything that you draw either right now, you've drawn or you draw in the next few weeks or until Arizona comes out, which is about the last state, and you need help setting a hunt up or something like that, need outfit recommendations or just uh, advice, feel free to get in touch with us. Sounds good, buddy. Uh, take care. You too. All right. All right.